And now, it's time once again for the show that gives glorious voice to 25 million business owners across the fruited plain. Radio Free Enterprise with Frank Felker. Thank you, Dude Walker. Yes, indeed, I am Frank Felker. Welcome back to Radio Free Enterprise. My guest today is Judy Bratt. Judy is a federal contracting expert. She's the CEO of Summit Insight here in Alexandria, Virginia. And she's also the best-selling author of Government Contracts Made Easier, now in its second edition. Judy Brad, welcome to the program. Frank, thanks for inviting me, and I'm delighted to meet the Radio Free Enterprise community today. I appreciate you being here, Judy, and, uh, you know, both your company and mine are based in Alexandria, Virginia, which is just a stone's throw from the seat of the federal government in Washington, D.C. And as a result, we are surrounded by hundreds, if not thousands, of federal contracting companies. Can we start out, uh, just for people who are not aware, uh, can we start out with what the size is of the federal contracting market and how many contractors are out there vying for a piece of it? Well, the, up until 2020, which was a year for the record books in all kinds of ways, the federal government was awarding federal contracts worth a total of about 450 billion, half a trillion dollars approximately. And that number had been, had had its ups and downs, but it's been on the uptrend. Pandemic blew that out of the water on the high end last year. And there are, um, I wanted to say well over, well over 50,000 companies that are registered to do business with the federal government. And registration to do that is free. The federal <laughs> government includes lots of resources, lots of folks who want to encourage just about everybody who thinks they've got a product or a service. And that's where things start to get interesting. Well, and that's why I've asked you to join us here today to share all the interesting bits with us based on your experience. Now, you know, there's over 50,000 contractors out there looking for a bite of that, all that money. And yet, in spite of that level of competition, your belief is, uh, if I'm, I'm speaking for you, you can tell me whether I'm speaking correctly or not, that there are still many opportunities available for people to get into the contracting space if they meet certain criteria, there's certain questions that you feel business owners have to be able to answer for themselves in order to determine whether their business and their personality is suited to government contracting. Could you share some of that with us? Sure. And the decision to pursue federal business is a big one. Data shows that companies spend anywhere from 30000 to $233,000 over the course of a 12-month period, invest that money in the pursuit of winning federal business. The value, the mean average value of that first contract is about $370,000. Now, that is not to say either that you spend $30,000 and someone will give you a contract for $370,000. Uh, no, that, if only it were that easy. Uh, but those are, that gives you some idea of the order of magnitude of investment. And you're investing not just money, but time, sweat equity, and opportunity cost. If somebody's thinking about 
pursuing federal business, first thing I encourage people to do is research who specifically, which federal humans, not which agency in the federal government really needs what you do. Whose problem can you solve? And what are you willing to invest in time and money to reach those people, that person, woo them and build trust so they want to do business with you? Because there's no such thing as doing business with the government. You heard me. There's no such thing as doing business with the government. When your company wins a federal contract, physically or electronically, you're going to sign a contract, sign a document. And that document is going to have a signature of another human being who has everything on the line when they choose you. It's a big deal. And so that's why federal buyers are some of the most risk averse life forms on earth. It means everything to them and they have everything on the line when they pick a vendor. It has huge implications for them personally, for their career, for their agency. And so that's part of why it looks like, a, you might think it looks like a process, how hard could it be? And yet companies can find it really challenging when they first get started. You know, and uh, I'm glad you brought that up about not doing uh, business with the government, you're doing business with another human being. I've lived in the Washington, D.C. area almost my entire life. For my entire adult career, I've been involved in marketing and sales. And so people, some people assume that if I live in Washington and I'm an expert on marketing and sales, I must know a lot about federal government contracting and marketing to the federal government, which of which I know nothing. But uh, what I am interested in learning about this is that there's one thing that commercial contracting or commercial marketing and federal contracting have in common, which is that person-to-person -person connection and bringing to that other person, the buyer in this case, the federal buyer, what they're looking for. And it's, would you say that what, uh, or at least a primary thing they're looking for is somebody who's not going to make them look bad. They're so risk averse. They're looking for somebody who's going to keep them safe. Is that a fair statement? Yes. You've hit on one of the what I call the holy trifecta of huh. things that a federal buyer really wants. Okay. And I learned this from my friend and training partner. That's a whole other story and adventure, Eileen Kent, the federal sales Sherpa. And this is what we teach our clients. Your federal buy buyer really wants three things, even if they're not telling you these things. Follow the rules, make it easy, make me look good. Those <laughs> That's three great. things. And if you have to boil it down, all of the rules, all of the experiences you have in federal contracting, ask yourself, how am I doing these three things? And if every single time you're interacting with a federal buyer and your buyer, the phrase buyer, I'm not going to get into a theological argument with somebody, but oh, my buyer's the contracting officer. No, my buyer's the contracting specialist. No, my buyer is really the base commander. People have to understand that you're going to need, expect to research and get to know and truly understand what's in the minds and the hearts of players at five layers. Mm -hmm. You're going to need at least one relationship. Understand who the player is at each of five different layers. We've developed the players and layers methodology. And 
even people who have been in the federal contracting business for many years, when we tell them about this, their eyes start to shine. The ones who have been successful, they realize how brilliant they are. <laughs> I want to put paid to a notion, Frank. You said you don't know anything about selling to the federal government. I'm going to say, yes, you do. 80% of the things that you have learned in your lifetime, the things that you have taught to other business owners, the things your guests have shared, 80% of those things also apply in the federal arena. Those principles on how you build trust and relationships with federal humans are also things you need to do uh, that you do every day in commercial. So anyone who's got success in the commercial market, and you ask, it circles back to what you started asking me at the beginning. What are the questions somebody needs to ask themselves about, am I ready for federal business? Mm -hmm. One is, is your company successful in generating revenue, in winning clients? Are people already paying you for the thing that you're good at, for the product you make well? That's really important. You've got to have a a business that is already serving someone so that your risk averse federal buyer, you can tell them and show them that you've solved their problem for someone who looks just like them yesterday afternoon. I like that. Okay. Well, you were going with it. What's the next question? Next question is what kind of working capital do you have to invest in building the business? You'll remember that I said data shows that companies spend anywhere from 30,000 to $233,000 in a combination of cash and sweat equity. They invest that money in order to win the business. Some people say, well, they consider engaging me or some other consultant or other resource. And they, I'm gonna win my first federal contract and then I'll be able to afford getting help. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually work that way. I mean, in professional services, the data shows that oh, the average pro profitable consulting company, maybe you have 30% of what you bring in the top falls out the bottom. And then out of that, you have owner's distribution and how much of that can you reinvest? So the idea, I'm gonna win a $100,000 contract and then I'm gonna have the working cap. No, you gotta invest the capital up front right. uh, in order to pursue the business, win the business, perform the contract, keep your company alive and pay your bills till you get paid out the right. back end. Mm -hmm. So what are your sources of financing? It's now, a really uh, important question. I kind of want to uh, cut in on that because in the commercial world, uh, we would refer to this as cost of acquisition, cost of customer acquisition. Right. And yep. it, um, the funny thing is, though, there are a lot of particularly smaller business owners who don't understand they have to pay for their customers. They have to buy customers. They, they need to invest they have, in they marketing. They have to invest in relationships. I, I, get, I get all squeaked out when you talk about buying customers. So I want to <laughs> I want to just tweak the language a little bit because sure. trust can't be bought. Trust has to be earned. But you have to invest in doing the things that and showing up in ways and offering messaging and ideas and acts of service that build trust. You have to give somebody as superlative an experience when they're getting to know you as you want and you promise to give them when they marry you, when they hire your company to work for them. If you're having a crummy time on the date, it usually doesn't work out better when you get married, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Mm -hmm. The reason why I use that expression is for the very reason that it had such an impact on you. It cuts through the noise and gets to somebody's limbic system. And I go, what? And uh, But in any event, I agree completely. I had uh, Bob Berg. Have you read the book, um, The Go-Giver? I love that. Yeah. Well, in any event, he uh, he was on Radio Free Enterprise recently, and he talked all about that. And it's funny because we did not mention federal contracting companies, but he mentioned that, that the trust building exactly the way you did and talked about it's the same for-profit, non-profit, religious organization, charitable group, whatever it is. Human. It's all about giving value. It, uh, giving value. And I love the work of Brene Brown. I ran across her TEDx talk from 2010, her Houston TEDx talk, which, the, which is the one that just exploded into the, the universe and shocked her. She tells now a story on a Netflix episode that came out a couple of years ago, what it felt like to have a, a little TED talk that she thought nobody was going to watch, wake up in the morning, and suddenly it was all over the news and it, was, it must have been terrifying. But if you haven't spent 17 minutes of your life listening to that original TED Talk called The Power of Vulnerability, then do. And I hope that that encourages people to explore the rest of her work because she is does research-based, solid research-based work on trust and vulnerability. And she talks about shame and all of the things that create a foundation for what she calls daring leadership. All of those things matter tremendously. And I first ran across her work in, in 2010 early. And it, for me, it's a touchstone because she has a very structured way of talking about how trust is built. And the foundation is trust is built one small interaction at a time. Mm -hmm. And that it's can include, did you return the phone call when you said you did? Not, mm -hmm. hey, you can trust me, just pay me that million dollar contract. Really, you can trust me to perform. How you do anything is how you do everything. Did you return your phone call? Great. Now, I, if you could, please give us the uh, third and fourth questions that people need to ask themselves about their business and its uh, viability as a contracting candidate. Absolutely. So the first one was, is your business successful as a commercial enterprise in the first place? Second, do you have resources, working capital that you're willing to invest. The third is what problem do you solve? Now, I used to work for the, I started my career in federal contracting, working for the government, but not the government you might expect. For 15 years between 1988 and 2003, I was Canada's top expert in helping Canadian companies win contracts with the American federal government under the mm. trade agreements. In 1987, Canada and the United States had just passed free trade and were a year from implementation. There was a new section on non-defense government procurement. And my job was to, as a trade commissioner, the Canadian equivalent of the U.S. Commercial Service, I was helping Canadian companies win business abroad. And so as part of that, my job was to be able to understand what it took. And I was a public servant of Canada. So Her Majesty the Queen and the Right of Canada gave me a lunch allowance. It was my job to go take people out to lunch and hospitality <laughs> and learn things and build relationships. And one of those, in this case, it wasn't lunch, it was breakfast. And the speaker was Nick Wakeman at the time. He was editor of Washington Technology. And he was saying that, the general says, I've always got time for a capability briefing. I went, wait, 
time out. I talked to thousands of companies all year long. What is, who is this general that always has time for capability briefings? He said, you didn't listen to me. I, I didn't, that's why I take notes. My mom always said I talk too much and I don't listen. And it, tell me again, what did you just say? He said, the general said, I always have 20 minutes for a company who can solve my problem. So what's his problem? If you are approaching a federal buyer and you've done your research, people will tell you in federal contracting, do your homework, do your homework. And you want to tear your hair out and go, what homework are we talking about? You're researching your individual federal human to understand not only what is their job in the organization, but what, and what are they responsible for, but what's happening for them in their career. You can, Two, over 2 million federal employees are on LinkedIn. If you're trying to call somebody in a federal office, look them up on LinkedIn. How long have they been in that job? How long have they been in that agency? Where have they been before? What could be going on for them right now? What problems might they have? And that, so I was going to say critical. that again is directly in alignment with, uh, with commercial work as you're schooling me here that there's so much uh, in, in common. If we could, uh, if you would go on then to the fourth thing, because I still have a lot of other questions I want to ask you, Judy. Okay, you should ask all of them. So the, the, the fourth one is really to focus. Focus or go broke. And so everyone in the federal government, you think they might be able to use what you do. Well, great. But if you don't have time to learn about your federal buyer, they sure as heck do not have time to learn about you. And so you really need to go narrow, go deep. And that means you can keep showing up with persistence, politeness, absolute determination. And that's going to make the difference and make the transition from being perceived, the difference between pestilence and persistence. You have to find the, huh. um, the sweet spot between, between apathy and pestilence. Oh, they, they, I'm only gonna call them once, they don't wanna call back and calling back every single day. And that sweet spot is different for everybody. It's a zone. It's not gonna be perfect. You'll hit, the, you'll hit the wall a little, but you've got to be willing to keep showing up and that shifts your buyer's perception of who you are as the person who called twice and gave up and the one who not only called back, but they call back when they say they're going to call back and they tell a great story and they're cheerful. Their voicemail is fun. Who leaves a fun voicemail? You have Certainly 30 minutes. You You've got 30 seconds of someone's undivided attention, even if it's asynchronous. Why would you not make that memorable and exciting? That's the, you're dealing with humans. That's the message they're going to return. Now, I know your emphasis on focus also uh, has to do with focusing on a small number of agencies um, rather than trying to go wide. Can you give us an example of how that would be a successful tactic for a particular uh, business? Well, give me an example of a product or a service or sort of a business owner who happens to be uh, Let's a business say somebody who sells tires. Okay, great. And so you might say, hey, every single agency has, has vehicles. Okay. Um, and so if nobody's heard of you, they're they, they might be feeling a little bit more comfortable dealing with somebody in their local neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. And if you have, if you're in a tire business, your business is, in your smaller business, you're probably local. And so tires, they're a commodity, right? 
And so yeah. what's going to differentiate you? It might be your personality, your level of service, the technical things you know about tires. Maybe there's a tire technician certification that only 5% of tire dealers have, but you've got that. It may be that you have a customer and that you may have a JD power rating, something that's objective and quantifiable that's in the 95th percentile. All of these things are little things that can set you apart and you're having conversations. Then people, let's say that you are um, dealing in tires, but you're dealing with fleets. Now, fleet managers in your local area, fleet managers probably talk to each other. And so talking to your current clients and saying, this is really important. I'm going to give you a value bomb. Uh, people can feel uncomfortable in asking for referrals and just get all squeaking going, oh, I don't want to say anybody I need business. It just, all right, breathe, write this down. My business is growing and I'm looking for new projects. Our business, who wouldn't want to talk to you? How exciting. Your business is growing. Oh, great. that's great. Our business mm -hmm. is growing and we're looking for new projects. If you were me, who would you be talking to? Our business is growing and we're looking for new projects. Here's the three fleets that I'm thinking of. One in Andrews Air Force Base, one with the General Services Administration. And I understand that um, uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement has a small fleet in the DC area that is based close to where I am. If you were me, do you know any of the folks who are running those fleets? Who would you talk to? I, I got to so hand it to you, Judy, because I totally threw you a curveball with that tires example. And I could see you stopped for a second and then I, the wheels were turning and boom, you came out with all of that great stuff. So maybe you really do know what you're talking about, Judy. I'd be willing to make yeah. a bet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I want to, this is a more broad uh, question, but the book, uh, your title of your book is Government Contracts Made Easier. And the emphasis is such that there's even a, the Y of the word easy is crossed out and I-E-R is uh, penciled in. Uh, what is the distinction that you're trying to share with us between the word easy and easier? Easy is fiction. <laughs> you can, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my hat is off to one of my oldest mentors, a shout out to the... Um, the Yoda of LinkedIn for the federal market, Mark Amtar, one of my most longstanding mentors. I met Mark over 33 years ago when I first arrived in Washington, D.C. We've been friends ever since. And if you are interested in learning the inside skinny and the players in the federal market, catch Mark's show. He's um, Amtar Off Center on Federal News Network. And so listen in. In the meantime, when I was having conversations with Mark and writing the first book and what am I going to call it back in uh, 2008, 2009, and that, that arose from our conversation. And I went, yeah, I'm not going to say it's government contracts made easy. There is no such thing as an easy government contract. But I do have 224 pages about how you can make it easier. That much I can give you. Yeah, that's great. Uh and, and I appreciate you, the realistic approach that you take to these things, uh, which is not, you know, get rich quick or what have you, but it's, it's common sense, step by step, based on your experience, based on the experience of your clients. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, in, the, in the first chapter of your book, uh, Marissa Levin. And uh, I actually uh, shared a stage one time with Marissa at an event 
2014, something like that, uh, called Semper Startup that was targeted at uh, veterans who were starting companies. And if you could uh, give us a thumbnail sketch of the story that you shared about uh, what happened to her company after 9-11 and how she pivoted and found success in the federal arena. Sure. And so she had um, the, the story I'm telling, I think it, um, she was, I'm not sure whether it was 9-11. I'd have to go back and, and look for a second, but mm -hmm. she had realized she was trying to grow her company and realized, wait a second. The federal government is right, and you're right, maybe it was. I'm trying to think of the, the, the timing there. You're right. She went, wait a second, our, our business is right in Northern Virginia. We're really close to the government. Why don't we pursue that, that business? And uh, she was determined and focused, and one of the things that she focused on was a uh, looking at how the clients she wanted to work with did business. And sometimes that involves getting something called a contract vehicle. It's an elaborate form of a hunting license. And so <laughs> it, it is. And there's a, the federal government specializes in issuing hunting licenses, but they don't give them out for free. You can invest a lot of money and time. And uh, the particular kind of hunting license she had was, I think, with the Office of Personnel Management. And so a limited number of companies were going to compete. So they're going to invest thousands of dollars and months of time, and they're going to get entry into a smaller pool that all a whole lot of work would just be competed among people in this small pool. And so she had ended up being successful, being one of a number of vendors who got the, the hunting license in this particular agency. And she was talking about the investment that she had to make in order to just get the hunting license. And she remembers, she told me that she was telling the story to a group of women business owners. And she said, I went into the, the office of the federal buyer. She says, rolled up the case. I have this contract. She said, I have no furniture in my living room, but I have this contract. <laughs> you're in, and so and you can invest everything to get to the starting line. And then now what? You got no furniture in the living room. We hope you got some money in the bank and you realize you're going to be working 25 hours a day, eight days a week to then build the relationships so that some of those people will write a requirement that makes it easy to put you in the top three or even the top place. Mm -hmm. And so when, and um, there's no, there's no such thing as easy. And I have to say that the, explosion of federal spending, especially now in pandemic. The federal government's numbers, I can't even tell you what it is, but they went through the roof. If you go onto mm -hmm. usaspending.gov, you can see mapped out how much federal, how many millions and billions of dollars in federal contracts were awarded in your city, in your state. You can see that on a pretty map by hitting four buttons. And that can make the federal government look enormously alluring. And there are people out there, and I am not one of them, who says, oh, lucrative federal contracts, everybody, got no, it's not for everybody. I mean, the federal government will say, everyone is welcome. Yes, you are. And it costs nothing, zero, no, nothing but your time and about 20 minutes to register on SAM.gov. You have to have a profile, but that costs nothing. Do not ever let anybody take money from you to register to do that. But in the meantime, 
there are people who are hyping the federal government and they're saying small businesses, the federal government has billions and billions set aside for you. No, the federal government has goals to award 23% of their contract dollars to businesses that are defined as small. And small can be very large. I'm going to be getting the week. Can I have permission to be in the weeds for just a second? Okay. Try to be okay. Uh, concise. I will. Um, small, the definition of small is different depending on the North American Industrial Classification System code assigned to the item being procured. If your company is an aerospace manufacturer, you can have 1,400 employees and 1,499 employees and still be considered small. If your company offers fitness consulting, under that NAICS code, you could have $8 million of revenue and be considered large. Go figure. So mm -hmm. small is defined in a very specific way in the federal market, and it varies by NAICS code. But the federal government has a goal to award 23% of its contract dollars to small businesses, and it has some special programs and special set-asides that are tools that contracting officers can use to have special competitions just within pools of different kinds of small businesses, women-owned, service-disabled, veteran-owned, businesses that are located in a historically underutilized business zone, and small disadvantaged businesses that are participating in a special program by the Small Business Administration called the 8A program. All those things. And so, but there's no entitlement. You're just because your business meets the definition of small does not mean the federal government has to award business to you. You're going to earn every single dollar and whether you are a giant corporation or you're one person behind a desk in your fuzzy slippers, everybody has to start small. There's no shame in starting small. You have to start small and be persistent. Those are the two pieces of advice that successful companies give to others who are on the road behind them. Start small. And I would say stay focused. Start small, stay focused, be persistent. Keep showing up in front of the people that your research has shown they're people you are meant to serve. And so I have one more thing I want to share, but okay. tell me your next question. Well, uh, why don't you go ahead and share that because uh, we're starting to run out of time here. And uh, I did want to wrap up with the pr uh, services that you offer, but uh, please go ahead and share the last item you had in mind. Public money means public information. Do you remember the advice that Deep Throat Mark Felt gave Bob Woodward in the basement of the parking garage in our neighborhood in Roslyn, Virginia in 1972. Follow the money. Yeah, follow the money is right. You win my special prize. I will send you a special <laughs> prize. I'll send you a Summit Insight coffee mug because nice. public money means public information. There are over 300 pieces of information that are published about every single contract estimated to be worth a contract at transaction based on more than $25,000. That information is available for free online right now in at least two places. Now imagine in the commercial market, you can't see how much money Ford or Glasgow Smith Klein spent on anything. The federal government, you can see that for everything except some, some classified contracts. Why would you not look at that and understand in your niche who buys what you sell? How do they buy? How much do they buy? Who are they buying from? What federal humans have created and approved and modified that contract record? Start there. When you, somebody says, do your homework, there's at least six different sources you, you should be tapping 
every single time you want to learn about an individual federal human. It's, it's jaw-dropping, isn't it? So I love that you, federal you, human you're... expression. That's great. Target your federal humans or build relationships with your federal humans. Um, now, I wanted to talk, it's obvious, as I mentioned earlier, you've, you've got a lot of experience, you have a lot to share, and there's a lot that companies that either currently contract with the federal government or would like to could learn from you and benefit from dealing with you. How, I, I know you have uh, the book that's for sale on Amazon and you do uh, YouTube videos and a variety of things that are free information that people can engage with. But what about if they're ready to learn more about what you can do and, and how you can help them? What's the best first step for them? Something that somebody can do, you can book a conversation with me. On my website, you can book um, a, a federal business breakthrough or federal business tra fast track conversation and apply. If you qualify, it's 30 minutes. And I'll ask you on a scale of one to 10, how important is federal business to your plans to grow your company this year? It's gotta be at least an eight out of 10. If the business owner is not 100% billable, if you've got at least two people in the company that are involved in at least half their time in sales and business development focused in the federal market, those are both great signs. A company that's in that position and ready to invest and grow your federal business. I work with, I'll work with um, no more than two dozen companies this year, one-on-one -on -one for eight weeks. And we create and activate a custom federal sales plan so that in eight weeks or less, my clients build a solid relationship pipeline into at least three places where they are confident they can win work, but they also have thousands of lines of leads in a repeatable system so that they can go and build those relationships, find the players at all the layers, know what to do, what to say, what to ask, and have a methodical, systematic way to woo their buyers, to make better bid-no-bid -bid decisions so they're not shelling out thousands of dollars pumping out proposals that are deadening their business and draining their money. You're making better bid-no-bid -bid decisions, building relationships, and having that repeatable process so that they actually do the work. My clients who are successful get one-on-one -on -one Top Gun time, private coaching and instruction from a former federal contracting officer. So you can have that conversation hmm. and say, say to somebody, how would I talk to a contracting officer? Could I ask this? What do I say from people who have managed billions of dollars in federal contracts hmm. and are generous with their time? The art of human connection in the federal arena is what we practice on a monthly free session called Come Together, where two of my Top Gun coaches and I chat with people who sign up for the session, we pick five or six, and we li live in real time talk through those conversations and those issues. It gives you a little bit of a sense of what the experience is like in working with me. People who do the work are successful. I've never had anybody say, the federal business intensive doesn't work. I have had people say, the system was tactically brilliant, we didn't do the work, we gotta own that. And so two years ago, I took apart everything I was doing, reshaped it, and built in the things that keep people engaged, motivated, taking action. And that has just really ramped up the kind of results that my clients are having when they do this program. 
they're engaged, they're excited, and it's just a joy to work with my clients now. As I mentioned, Judy, we're just about out of time, but I, I like to always end by asking my clients, or my clients, <laughs> you've got me in the mindset, I'm in the zone. Uh, asking my guests if there's a question that I have not asked you or something that's come to mind that you'd like to share before we go. Wow. I was thinking about this last night and sales is the single most misunderstood and possibly most important activity in owning a business in general and doing federal business for sure. I spent 25 years avoiding everything to do with sales because I didn't understand what it was. And then 2014, a story we can tell another day, I ended up being slammed face first into my biggest fears and shattering all of my misunderstandings. It was painful. I had to really understand, oh wait, this is what it is? But I ended up rededicating myself to the art of human connection, which is what sales is really all about. There are millions of business owners that have marvelous products, marvelous services. They are technical experts. I urge every business owner who has things, products, services, expertise that can make a difference for federal buyers to also make a commitment to learning the art of federal human connection because that will make all the difference between whether you get to make the difference in the world that you can make when a federal buyer becomes your customer. Judy Bratt, thank you so much for joining me today. Frank, thank you for inviting me. It's been an honor. Let's do it again. Sounds good. Thanks again to Judy, and thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Frank Felker saying, I'll see you on the radio. He's the kind of guy who finds microeconomics fascinating. Uh, but go ahead and listen anyway. Radio Free Enterprise with Frank Felker.